0: Suffered and crucified, forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious life, forever seated high. I believe in God our Father, I believe. the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe. Communion, And in your holy church I believe in, in the resurrection, resurrection When Jesus, Jesus comes again For I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son please be seated.
1: Well, good morning everybody. Good, morning. good to see everyone. We have some new friends back from Florida. <laughs> Tim and Krista and Chuck and Melissa are here. So, welcome. If we have any uh New visitors, we have a Lux Connect card. It's in front of you, in the seat in front of you. If you could fill that out, either throw it into the offering plate or there's a box that says Connection Cards on the sound booth in the back. Um, Also, for regular tenders, you know, if there's anything you want to relate to the church, any prayer requests or anything like that, uh, please feel free to fill that out. Oh, first-time guests. I got this bag right in front of me and I almost forgot it. You get something. So stop at the kiosk in the back. There'll be people there waiting to uh, meet you and hand it out. Okay, with that, I'm going to ask Deb Wazinski to come up. She has uh, something to talk about.
0: Just a reminder, Nancy wanted me to remind everybody, for the sister and sister, Um, Don't forget to pick up your envelopes outside. There's a table right there. So pick up your envelope, and it will have your sister-to-sister prayer sister inside the envelope. If you don't know that person, please see myself, Amy Johnson, Alicia's not here, or Nancy Tanner, or Barb Simon, and we will get you hooked up with that person. So, okay, that's it.
1: Okay. Okay. First of all, the deacons would like to thank everybody that came out and worked yesterday. It was hot and uh, everybody stuck to it. It was really, really good. We got a lot of things done on our list, so we really appreciate it. Uh, Fred, that bobcat really came in handy as well. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Deacons, we are looking for somebody that is interested or loves to garden. Um, If they would take care of our garden areas in front of the church. Um, if that's a gift you have or something you're interested in doing, uh, please see one of the deacons. Uh, that's me or Tom, um, Aaron, and Tom Dyke. So any of us would be willing to take your name and get you set up. Vacation Bible School. If you are a leader in any area, crafts, games, snacks... Um, Deb is looking um, to find out if you have all the supplies you need. Um, She just wants to check with you. She hasn't got any responses for her emails yet. So um, if you could please just get with Deb and let her know if your area is all set up, uh, she would appreciate that. Women's ministry. Committee members are needed. So if you have a heart for the women's ministry and you'd like to serve in this committee, um, please see Nancy Tanner, Alicia Decou, Amy Johnson, or Barb Simmons. So, ladies, it's a call to you. And then in June, the uh, Young at Heart event has been canceled on June 14th. Um, it's due to everyone's busy with vacation Bible school prep, so <laughs> look for your uh, July details to come out soon. And then the last announcement I have is uh, we are having another blood drive here at uh, WBC. It's going to be scheduled, or it is scheduled for July 15th, Saturday. We'll run it from 9 to 2. Um, You can sign up now. Um, There's a sheet online. You can either sign up there. I don't know if we have a sign... Do we have a sign-up sheet out here yet? Other... I mean, you'll sign up. So just online. Um, Go to our website and... uh, You can sign in that way. Okay, with that, let's go to our Bible reading today. We are looking at John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day you've given us. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you that you've allowed us a way to come before you, that you like us to come before you. We're thankful, Lord, that you've given us your book, that we can learn about you, that we can study that we can understand what you ask of us. Father, give us the commitment to learn. Give us the commitment to stand on your commandments. Father, when the world is telling us to go one way, you tell us to go another. And help us to be dedicated to following you. Father, we thank you for your son. It's so hard, Lord, thinking about losing your son, and yet you sent yours purposefully into the world to die upon the cross for us if we would believe. Father, change our hearts to be believers. Help us, Lord, to want to follow you, to want to know you, to want to study your word, to want to give you the glory and the praise that only you deserve. Father, again this morning, we have many needs that uh, we have. Father, there's many uh, in your congregation here that are suffering from cancer or know those that are suffering from cancer. And we just pray, Father, that you would be with those, that you would continue to give them strength and peace, that you would be with their families as they fight through these things that you would encourage them, Lord, as only you can. Father, I want to lift up a young couple, Dustin and Sarah. They've lost their one-year-old child a couple days ago, Lord, and it's such a tragedy. Father, I just pray that you would uh, meet them in their grief. Father, if they don't know you, I pray that this would draw them to you. We just pray, Lord, that you would pour out your love on them. Comfort them. Give them peace, Father. Father, I also want to lift up Dave and Amanda Van Zandt and their young child, Eddie. Father, he is suffering in such a horrible way as well. And we just ask, Lord, that you would help the doctors find what's ailing him, uh, that you would bring peace to his little body, that you would give comfort and strength to Dave and Amanda. And just be with them through this difficult time, Lord. And Lord, I want to lift up our Sunday school teachers. We're so thankful, Father, for the people that enjoy teaching your word to our children. We pray, Father, that they continue to stand and preach and teach your word to our kids. That they learn about you. We pray for our elders, Father, that as we roll out the biblical things the biblical teachings that you want us to learn, that each of our hearts are dedicated to following your word. Father, I want to lift up Pearson Bible Church and Pastor Tom Eccle. We ask, Father, that they would lead their community in Christ, that they would preach Christ and him crucified, that they would make a difference in their community. And Lord, we pray the same thing for our church, We ask, Father, that we would continue to preach and teach your word, that we would be known as a church that stands on your truth. We pray, Father, that you would just bless our community through us. Help us to recognize that we are your missionaries, Lord. Lord, and I do want to lift up our missionaries. I think this morning of Fred and Rebecca Mukumbu. Lord, we're so looking forward to their visit in August. We pray for them, Father. We pray for the School of Hallelujah, where Rebecca is teaching and Fred helps and just all the kids that come, Lord. We pray that they have the food they need. We pray they have the money to pay for their staff. We just ask that you would continue to bless them and bless Fred, Father, as he leads the 18 churches that he's part of over there in Kenya. Continue to give him wisdom. Continue to give him strength. Just continue to light his fire, Father, and help him as he needs uh, you each and every day. Father, I do want to lift up our family of the week, Martin and Denise Moonstra. We pray, Father, that you would continue to bless them, that you would strengthen them, that they would carry your name and that people know they belong to you. Father, again, as we're about to give our gifts today, It is Missionary Week, Father, and so we do have two offerings. We pray, Father, that you would bless each one, that you would use each one to glorify your name. Father, in Jesus' precious name I pray, Lord. Amen.
0: God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love. He
2: Thank you so much, worship team. This is great. Uh, We're going to go ahead and dismiss the boys and girls for Bible Blast. You children can go ahead and go to your time in the Word. And uh, the rest of us who are here in the worship center got a couple of uh, housekeeping items to take care of uh, here this morning. Uh, To begin with, what I'd like to do is invite Melissa Steele and Ashley Holland and Nick Picard to come on up Uh, front here. And if you know these three at all, you know all three of them are very reluctant to come up. (laughs) So AJ and Nick, you guys come on up here. And this is a little tricky. Those of you watching via the live stream, you never get to see Melissa, but she's the one who produces our uh, live stream. So Mike's going back there to get on deck back there while Melissa comes out here for just a moment. Uh, the reason that we're asking these uh, these young people to come forward is we want to celebrate some really great accomplishments in uh, in each of their lives. I'm just making sure I've got my ducks in a row here. There we go. Uh, Melissa, here she is. Everybody, give her a round of applause. Yes. I did that just for you, Melissa. I know how much you like that. Uh, we're just so proud of these young people, um, Melissa. Is a, has graduated from the Steele Homeschool Academy. She's valedictorian and salutatorian <laughs> of her class. And uh, we're very proud. Yes, yes, please, please. <laughs> Melissa, we're very proud of you, and I want to and we have a gift from the church for you, a uh, Bible, a study Bible here, and then a little certificate recognizing your accomplishment. And on it here it says, Melissa means honeybee and signifies diligence hard work, and perseverance. And in this verse, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Congratulations. <laughs> We're so proud of you. Just hang for just a minute. And then next is uh, Ashley Holland. Uh, Ashley is uh, graduating, has graduated rather from the Grand Rapids Community College with her associate's degree in business management and supervision. And Ashley, uh, we have a gift for you too. And this certificate, it says Ashley means ash tree meadow and signifies strength and independence. I wink at her because that's Ashley. (laughs) And then there's this verse here. It says, seek of the Lord and his strength. Seek his face Always. Congratulations to you. And then I have for Nick Picard here, uh, he is being recognized for his receiving his associate's degree, also from Grand Rapids Community College in Culinary Arts. And uh, Nick, on your certificate, it says, Nick means victory of the people and signifies commitment to serving and benefiting others. Uh, everyone who has been born of God, conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. 1 John 5, 4. Again, congratulations. Very proud of you. All right, you guys can go on down. Melissa is going to continue her work at Hugs Ranch and uh, Thalmet Stables and also continuing to train her two horses that she has at home. Uh, Ashley is finishing up her uh, internship and she anticipates finding a job in her field of management. And Nick is completing his certification in meat processing and finishing up his internship and apprenticeship, and he uh, is seeking to work as a butcher. So again, we're just so grateful for all of these young people. Just give him another hand, please. We're proud of each and every one. Now, on the uh, inside aisle seat, uh, you'll find um, these surveys. And so what I'd like to ask everybody to do, we're going to take a few minutes to do this right here in the worship, uh, worship service. Uh, please do not put your name on this uh, survey. We don't need your, we don't need your name. Uh, we just want the raw data from uh, the survey. And if you would just take the time to go through, we're going to take about 10 minutes or so, and uh, Adriel has agreed to play some filling out the survey music <laughs> while you do that. And just take about ten minutes to play, uh, play, and for you to fill out the, the survey. And you notice that there's just thirty-five questions. Don't need to mull over them hard. Just give your, your initial impression of what you think the right answer would be for you. Uh, strongly disagree would be a number one. Somewhat disagree would be a number two. Just circle the number. Not sure if you're not sure of how to how to respond. That's fine. If you somewhat agree with the statement, circle four. And then number five strongly agree. Number five, we've tried to word it in such a way that it doesn't seem like you're taking a vote, uh, voting on something on a ballot in the municipality or something. All those can be confusing. So just go ahead and take the next uh, next uh, ten minutes or so to fill that out. Would you do that, please? Thank you. I'd like to thank you all for doing that. Uh, if you just pass them the surveys, the completed surveys, into the last person on the inside aisle here, that'd be great. Uh, Tom's going to come along and collect those for us. We really appreciate you doing that. We'll share the results about that and uh, against the national survey. This survey comes from the Ligonier Ministry. Many of you know the ministry of R.C. Sproul and uh, the ongoing ministry that they have. This survey is something that they do every two years. And uh, we're just going to see how we stack up, so to speak, against the national results. I'm hoping that we'll be a little better than they are. Those are some in, kind of discouraging information in those. But uh, we just want to uh, we'll compare ourselves against that survey and then also uh, provide a, a, a report to show you what the biblical answers are to each of those different questions that you took. All right, thank you so much for doing that. If you have your Bible, I'd like to ask you to turn to Mark chapter 1. As we begin this morning, we're going to read through uh, three different sections of Scripture. Uh, you'll notice they have a unique similarity to them in what occurs in each one of them. Uh, in each of these uh, accounts that we're going to read, God's audible voice speaks into the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. and An amazing thing that happened. So Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to begin. I'm just going to read verses 9 through 11 here. This is God's word. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, With you, I am well pleased. And if you just turn over a few pages in Mark's Gospel to Mark chapter 2, excuse me, Mark chapter 9, verse 2, Mark 9, verse 2, I'm going to read from verse 2 down to verse 10. Again, this is God's Word. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. To be alone, he was transfigured in front of them, and his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because He did not know what to say, since they were terrified. A cloud appeared, overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son, listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept this word to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. And then, over in John's Gospel, if you turn over to John chapter 12, uh, you're probably familiar with this chapter. Uh, It is a very important chapter in Holy Week. Uh, Jesus has been in Bethany, and in chapter 11, he did the remarkable thing of raising Lazarus from the dead. And then we have the triumphal entry reported here, the thing that we celebrate on Palm Sunday. Let's pick up the reading at verse 20. John 12, verse 20. Now, some Greeks were among those who went up worshiping at the festival. These would be uh, non Jewish people, Gentiles who are proselytes to the Jewish faith. They've come to know the one true God and they're worshiping him. So they came to Philip, verse 21, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus responded, this voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, I am lifted up from the earth and I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. What remarkable stories from Jesus' life. Let's pray together. And so, our dear Father, today as we gather around your word, we come. We come in an effort to know Christ better. Lord Jesus, we want to know you in spirit and in truth. Purge from our thinking anything that would be false and untrue about you. Help us to come to know you as the Son of God, I pray even more in Jesus' name. your name I pray, amen. Uh, Maybe you've heard the story about the two little girls who went to a Baptist church with their grandmother and witnessed their very first baptism by immersion. When they got home, they excitedly told their mother all about it. Oh, it was neat, Mom, exclaimed one of the sisters. And then the other one chimed in, Grandma's church has a swimming pool in it right behind the choir. The first sister went on, the preacher got in there with some other guy and he grabbed the guy by the nose. He pushed him under the water and he yelled, In the name of the Father and the Son and in the hole you go. Now, we chuckle at that amusing story of these two little girls. I think we should. However, if we are honest, even the most studied among us will admit to the profound and astounding mystery of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. One God in three persons certainly challenges our finite thinking. But the Bible is full of this glorious truth. We continue our new sermon series, Creed. You'd better believe it. And as we go, we will will be challenging ourselves to consider what we essentially believe as Christians and why we believe it all. The series is a biblical perspective on the Apostles' Creed, which is a summary of basic Christian doctrine. And once again, I would like to ask you to stand with me as we recite the Apostles' Creed together and affirm these things that we do believe. I certainly trust that you do. This is the Apostles' Creed. Let's read it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit who would the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. So today, we begin examining what I call the heart of the Apostles' Creed. The largest part of the Creed has to do with the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you uh, look at the creed on the screen, as you read through it, you certainly noticed that, I'm sure. I'd like to remind you that the creed is a response. It's a response to heresies that plagued the early church in the late 1st century and all the way through the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th centuries. The Gnostics, as they came to be known, uh, a group of false teachers, denied the genuine deity and the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Further, they did not believe in salvation alone through Jesus Christ. The earliest forms and the current form of the Apostles' Creed sought to clarify the truth and remind believers what they believe and why concerning our Lord Jesus Christ and also God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So here's a big idea of our time in God's Word today. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. The emphasis today is on the deity of our Lord Jesus. Next time we will consider the humanity, the full humanity of our Lord Jesus. Of course, these are inseparable in his person. I mean, his deity and humanity are inseparable in the person of Jesus Christ. But they deserve particular and very specific consideration as uh, there are those even in our own day who deny the deity and or the humanity of Jesus Christ. In fact, every cult, every cult errs on either side of this important truth. That is what theologians call the hypostatic union of Jesus' pure and true deity along with his pure and true humanity. And if you know anything about the cults at all, you know that they either deny his deity or they deny his humanity. The words of our Heavenly Father, which we'll look uh, at a little later in this message that we read here just a few moments ago, are quite emphatic and clear on the subject. We saw it there uh, in the baptismal experience of the Lord Jesus. This is my beloved Son. You, he said, you are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So let's get started. Let's see what we mean when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, Our Lord. Let's look at just the very first part of that that statement. I believe in Jesus. I believe that his name is divine. I mean by that the meaning of the name Jesus is a name of divinity. Jesus means Jehovah saves or God is salvation. The name Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew name Yeshua, the Hebrew name uh, that we are more familiar with, Jehoshua, or even more commonly shortened to Joshua, is a name coming to us from Hebrew, and Jesus is from that shortened name of Joshua. So the names Joshua and Jesus are equivalent names. Now, of course, there were many who carried the name Jesus in the first century, but only one of them. Only one of them fulfilled and personified the essence of that name. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what I mean when I speak of the divine meaning of the name, his name, Jesus. Say that name with me. Jesus. Not only is the name declaring that Jehovah saves, that God is salvation, but personally, in Christ, his name is declaring, I am God, and I am God's salvation. This is why the additional name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, is so wonderful to us. Emmanuel, God with us. This is a name that is attributed to Jesus. Think of it. God in the flesh. Think of the divine origin of the name. Not just the meaning of the name, but think of the divine origin of the name. What I mean by that, you remember in Matthew 1 verse 21, the angel Gabriel, the scripture tells us, was sent by God. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to Joseph. And Gabriel says to Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then in Luke's record, in Luke one thirty one, the same angel Gabriel also sent by God to Mary says, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. Now, there are other divine names for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there are many, many other names given to Jesus in the Scriptures that underscore his deity. There are really too many to mention for our purposes here today, but please allow me to mention just a few of them. If you're familiar with Christmas music, I am. I love Christmas music. It's my favorite music of all. And if you're familiar with uh, Judge Frederick Handel's Messiah, you're familiar with his chorus that's based on Isaiah 9-6. For unto us. And he recounts out of that verse the names of the Messiah, the promised one. He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father or Father of Eternity. Prince of Peace. It's exactly what Isaiah 9.6 says in reference to the coming Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those names that are names of deity. I wish we had time to explain each and every one of those to you that way. Here's another name or set of names that are given to our Lord Jesus. Alpha Alpha. And Omega, or first and the last, or beginning and the end. They're all uh, synonymous and similar in their meaning. And when you dig into scripture, you find that, first of all, that the phrase Alpha and Omega, or first and last, is a reference to God, God in eternity past and in eternity future. He, God, exists before and after our experience with and our understanding of time. We mentioned that a little bit last week in our message about God the Father Almighty. Isaiah again, Isaiah 44 verse 6. God the Father is speaking through His prophet Isaiah. This is what the Lord, the King of Israel, and its Redeemer, the Lord of Army, says, I... And the first and the last, and I am the God. There is no God but me. And then a very interesting thing happens over in the book of Revelation in the first chapter, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, John reminds us of this very thing that God the Father has spoken. He says in Revelation 1:8, God is, he quotes God by saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is. Who was and is to come, the Almighty. And then a most astounding thing happens in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. Jesus is speaking through John to the church in the city of Smyrna. And this is what we read there in Revelation 2 8, thus says the first and the last. Jesus is saying, I'm not merely speaking on behalf of the first and the last. I'm speaking to you as the first and the last. Jesus claims to be God. You will hear people today who say that Jesus never said he was God. These are very ignorant people. I'm not trying to be unkind. They're people who really don't know the word because Jesus, as you'll see, clearly did say he was God. To continue over in Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 and 13, the Lord Jesus himself is speaking, and John records it. Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And once again, Jesus claims to be God. Here's another name for you. The Holy One. The Holy One. Now, the word holy refers to the altogether otherness of God. God is altogether other than you and me. He is above and separate from all that He has made, and He is flawless in His person and in His deeds. I think it's very difficult for us to really get our mind around the concept of God's holiness. But it is true that God is holy and he is known as the Holy One. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, this title, Holy One, or the Holy One, is used at least 33 times. The holiness of God had a huge impact on the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 25. Again, the Lord himself is speaking Through the prophet, he says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. And then again, you go to the New Testament, you go again to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3 verse 7. And then audaciously, Jesus speaking to the church of Philadelphia says, thus says the Holy One. Now just pay attention to what I'm what we just heard God say through Isaiah. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? asks the Holy One. And Jesus speaks up here in Revelation 3, 7, and he says, Thus says the Holy One. And again he's not merely speaking on behalf of the Holy One, but as the Holy One. And once again he claims to be God. He takes his name upon himself. Last week we looked at the name of God the Father Almighty, the name I Am, the name Jehovah. I won't repeat all of that, but we were reminded that I Am refers to the fact that God is self-existent, self-sufficient, self-sustaining. He needs no one or anything outside of himself or his existence to sustain himself, or to accomplish anything he desires. I am. Remember, God the Father revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 3.14. God speaks to Moses. He says, I am who I am. And what God is doing, he's, Moses has asked him, when I go to take the Israelites out of Egypt, who should I say sent me? I am who I am. God replied to Moses, this is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Again, you go to the Gospel of John, the New Testament, and in the Gospel of John, there are seven I am statements. And Jesus takes upon himself this name, I am, and drives home the fact that he is God, He is divine. He is a deity. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And then over in John chapter 8... Just so you don't doubt what Jesus means. In verses 58, in the beginning of verse 59, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish religious leaders regarding himself. Jesus says to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So it says here in the text, they picked up stones To throw at him. You see the Jewish leaders certainly understood the claim Jesus was making. Jesus took on himself the name I Am. And they considered it blasphemy. Worthy of execution. Because they did not recognize the Son of God. I could go on and list other names recorded for us in Scripture, but I think that you get the point that the Bible is making. In each case, some aspect of the deity of our Lord Jesus is being commended and amplified to us. I believe Jesus' name reveals his deity to us. I believe in Jesus. Look at that statement again from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that this title, Christ, I believe that his title is also divine. You understand the meaning, I think, of the title Christ. Christ literally means appointed and anointed one. That's what the word means. And our word Christ is an anglicized version of the Greek word Christos, which translates a Hebrew word for Messiah, Mashiach. And not only do we believe in Jesus, as we've just said, but we go on to say that we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ. That's the term that we often miss. Because for us, the term Christ, which is normally used in association with Jesus, not only, but often and most of the time, Christ To us, it sounds like his last name, like Jonathan Deku, Jesus Christ. But Christ is not Jesus' surname. It's a title. It's a title, and it's a very important title. From that title, we learn something about the Messiahship and the deity of Jesus Christ. We recognize by this word that he is the chosen Savior and mediator. I wish I had so much more time this morning to show you from the Old Testament and the New Testament how that is so. He's not only truly human, and again, we're going to emphasize that next week, but he's God's chosen Savior mediator for his people. Jesus is God's appointed and anointed Savior King. You see, Christ is Messiah. He's the anointed one. It means that God anointed Christ as his savior king for his people, the nation of Israel. And as we read scripture, we find out for all the nations, for all the nations, God, Jesus was God's appointed savior king, the one that the Old Testament prophesied about and for whom the Jews had long awaited. For Paul and for Peter, and for all the other apostles to announce Jesus as the Christ, this, this was a colossal claim in their time. It was momentous for the religious Jews of the time because they were saying, "Look, look, the one about whom our scriptures have been seeking, uh, speaking, rather, for hundreds of years. He's here. And then to the Roman world, it was also a colossal claim. Because it was an announcement that the Messiah for the whole world had come. The one way of salvation. That's why Peter said in Acts 4.12, There is no other name given under heaven whereby we can be saved. But it's only through the name of Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. It is a claim That Jesus, the Messiah, was, was unique in his place in history and actually in universal dominion. It's a claim that Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah and was the one appointed by God as our prophet, priest, and king. And so to say Jesus Christ To say Jesus Christ is not to simply name the person of Jesus, but to indicate about him through his title that you believe he is this Messiah. When we say the Lord Jesus Christ, we're speaking about the Lord whose name was Jesus, who is the Messiah. And so the phrase Jesus Christ is packed full of significance And when we stand it together, as we did just moments ago, and repeat the creed and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, we've already said enough to spend weeks and weeks to meditate on it, to glory in it, and to draw the implications that come to us from these words, I believe in Jesus Christ. The Westminster Larger Catechism says our mediator was called Christ because he was anointed with the Holy Ghost above measure and so set apart and fully furnished with all authority and ability to exercise the offices of prophet, priest, and king of his church in the estate of both his humiliation and exaltation. And then the Catechism goes on to explain and flesh out much further what it means. I believe Jesus... Jesus' title, Christ, reveals his deity to to us. I believe in Jesus Christ. But that's only the second thing we're saying about Jesus when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ. There's a third thing. The creed statement goes on to say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son. I believe that his sonship is divine. I believe the fact that Jesus is revealed to us as the Son of God speaks to us of his divinity. Think with me again. I could give so many examples from Scripture why I believe this, but a favorite reference used by the Apostle John in the Gospel record that he gives us on the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is one of his favorite terms, the one and only Son of God from the father the one and only son from the father john 1:14 the word became flesh and dwelt among us we observed his glory the glory as the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth and then down just a couple of verses later in john 1:18 John goes on to say this: No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. You see what John's saying? Jesus is the Son of God and he is God. He, st- he's, he staked his life on that, quite literally. You're familiar with John 3.16, the first part of that verse is probably one of the most familiar, if not the most familiar verse in the Bible, even the secular world. That opening two phrases says, For God loved the world in this way He gave His one and only Son. In John's first letter, 1 John 4.9, he says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Again, listen to the words of the angel Gabriel sent by God to Mary as he announces to her about the holy child that she will conceive and bring into the world. Luke 1.35, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Lord Jesus takes this name upon himself. The name Son of God. He takes it upon himself. Again, laying claim to his deity. Once again, the book of Revelation, this time Jesus is speaking to the church of Thyatira in Revelation 2, 18, thus says the Son of God, notice he didn't say a Son of God, but the Son of God, the one and only Son of God. Even more remarkable than these citations from Scripture that I've given you are the three incidents that we read at the beginning of the message today. God the Father spoke at Jesus' baptism to affirm the deity of the Lord Jesus. God the Father spoke at Jesus' transfiguration to affirm the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God the Father spoke after the triumphal entry to once again as Jesus was making his way to Holy Week to affirm the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read it in Mark chapter 1, verse 11. At the baptism of the Lord Jesus, this voice came from heaven. I I can't imagine what that moment must have been like. I hope you are not so familiar with the scripture. Oh yeah, I remember that story. (laughs) No, listen. The voice of God spoke in a way that everyone around could hear it. John the Baptist heard it. All the others who were there heard it. And Jesus heard it. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. I could do a whole sermon on that. I won't. I'm tempted to. But I want you to just ask yourself the question, what did this mean to Jesus to hear the Father speak to him like this? Remember, he was fully human too. So when the Father said, you are my son, he affirms Jesus' true identity and he satisfies one of the deepest and most significant needs of human existence. To belong. He says, yes, you are God and yes, you are man. But you, you're my son. You're my son. I claim you. You are mine. Your family. These are the words of a proud father. How many of us as young boys and young men, just stood a little bit taller and maybe just a little more proud when we heard our dad say to us, that's my son. When the father said, you're my beloved son. He guarantees Jesus' security and satisfies another of the deepest and most significant needs of human existence. The need to be loved. The father says, I love you. These are the words of an adoring and loving father. Again, the power of these words. Think of it. Father saying to his son, I love you. Men, make sure you say it. To your sons and your daughters. To your granddaughters, your grandsons. Make sure you do it. When the father said, I'm well pleased. He bolstered Jesus' confidence to go into his public ministry and satisfies yet another of the deepest and most significant needs of human existence. The need to be approved or affirmed. I want to be careful how I use that term. I don't mean we get approved and affirmed in whatever we want to be approved and affirmed of. At the baptism, Jesus was identifying the need for God's righteousness. And the Father is affirming that public commitment of Jesus to live in righteousness and to go about, as John the Baptist called it, the ministry of being the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Father says, I'm pleased with you. I'm so proud of you. Words of an encouraging and approving and accepting Father. I can only imagine, the Scripture doesn't tell us in any of the accounts how the crowd specifically responded to Jesus' experience at his baptism, hearing the Father speak to him like that. I can't imagine that it didn't just set them all back on their heels. What an amazing thing to observe. The transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I wish we could spend so much more time on this, but we read it in Mark 9, 7. A cloud appeared overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my beloved Son, Listen to him. At that moment, remember we're after the triumphal entry. We're at the beginning of Holy Week. What did this mean for Jesus? I think it gave him great comfort and confidence to carry out his mission for the world. In that story, we are told of the impact of that statement on the three disciples who were with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. At first, like usual, we find Peter once again talking when he should have been listening and took God, parting the sky, showing up in a cloud and speaking, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. The Heavenly Father quiets Peter and tells him, listen up. This event became a defining moment for these three apostles and was used to secure their belief in Jesus as the Son of God. In John's epistles and in Peter's epistles, they both speak many, many years later of how this moment impacted them. And revealed to them that Jesus is God. And again, after the triumphal entry, just actually a, a matter of uh, moments after the, the transfiguration and the going into Holy Week, we read in John twelve twenty eight, Jesus praying. He's saying, I'm struggling, very similar to the way he did in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm struggling, I'm trembling at the thought Of going through what I have to go through. To go to the cross. But it isn't about me. It says father. Glorify your name. In me. And through me. And then the father speaks. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. And the Father says to the Son, so all those disciples around can hear it, and all those Greek-speaking folks can hear it, everything you've done, I approve of it, I accept it, and I glorify you and myself through what you've accomplished in your ministry so far. And mark it. I will glorify myself in you and through you. The approval and affirmation of the Father must have brought great comfort and encouragement to the Lord Jesus for the week ahead. And we read that account. What did it mean to the people? Some of the people were scratching their head. Just like, well, that wasn't a voice. It was just, just thunder. That's, yeah, thunder. That's what it was. Others thought it was some kind of a spiritual experience, but Jesus made it clear that the Father graciously provided the crowd further confirmation of his authority and sonship. Yet, it appears that the crowd more or less missed it at that moment. I believe the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God that reveals his deity to us. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's Son. The last part of that full phrase that we're looking at today, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord. I believe that His authority is divine. I believe that the authority that is revealed to us in the person, and work of Jesus Christ and in Scripture, tells us that He is God. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is yet another indicator of his deity. The word Lord, the Greek word Lord, it's capital L, lowercase O-R-D, as you noticed in your scriptures. To be distinguished from the word that we looked at last week, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah, I am, Hashem. This is the lowercase form, capital L, O-R-D. The word Means one, the one who innately possesses power and might. Think of that. Somebody who innately possesses power and might. He is owner and master in an ultimate sovereign and supreme sense. The one given absolute authority and then who has the authority to confer that same authority on those. Whom he desires. That's the concept behind the word Lord. So here's the thing that we are affirming when we say that we believe in Jesus Christ. His only son, our Lord. We're affirming the Lordship of Christ. We are saying Jesus is master and God. Perhaps you remember the confession of Thomas the disciple when he finally had the opportunity to be encountered by the Lord Jesus, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Some call him Doubting Thomas. I think that's an unfair name for him. He's A little melancholy maybe. But the other disciples were talking about seeing, seeing Jesus and he said, I've got to see him for myself. And what did Jesus do? He went to the effort to personally come face-to-face with Thomas, and he said, "Thomas, here I am. Touch my wounds. Look, I'm eating the bread and the fish. Ghosts don't do that." Thomas didn't go into a long theological dissertation. Didn't explain. Let me tell you why I was doubting Jesus you know, and all that. I didn't go into that. This is what he said. He fell on the ground and bowed in front of him. He said, "My Lord, and my." God. That is an essential Christian confession. Jesus is Lord and Savior. There are many Christians who would like to think of Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. Or who think that first you accept Jesus as Savior, and then some other time later on down the line, then you'll accept him as Lord. I have to tell you that the Bible doesn't know anything about that. That's not how the Apostle Paul thought. I want you to flip over to Romans chapter 1 with me. And in these final moments, I want to draw your attention to this thought of the Lordship of Christ. Romans chapter 1, the opening verses, starting at verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was the descendant of David according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the Spirit of Holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you, who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how Paul describes himself as a servant of Jesus Christ there in verse 1 of Romans 1. Jesus is his Lord, and Paul is his slave. It's as simple as that. Notice this isn't something just unique to Paul. Don't don't say to yourself, oh, wow, that's Paul. I mean, Paul, he was a super saint, right? My goodness, yeah. Expect Paul to say something like that. I mean, he had accepted Jesus as Savior and then, you know, at some point later down in his life, then he accepted Jesus as Lord. Ooh, no, please don't say that. Paul says that Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is our Lord, not just my Lord. And that the gospel was designed to produce The obedience of faith from us so that Jesus, our Lord, would get glory. And then, of course, I'm sure you noticed how the blessing that he pronounces on all the Roman Christians is from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul makes it clear that if Jesus is the divine Messiah King, the Christ, then it is obvious and necessary that he must be Lord any denials of that to the Lordship of Christ are serious business. You see, the fundamental confession of faith for the Christian in the New Testament is not just Jesus is Savior. Though his name means Jesus saves and confession of that fact is obviously essential. The fundamental Christian confession is Jesus is Lord. Say it. Jesus is Lord. Do you doubt me? Turn to Romans 10, 9. The Apostle Paul is speaking. Ask yourself this question as you get ready to read this verse. On what basis Is a man saved? Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth what? Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. The confession of the Lordship of Christ is the fundamental Christian confession. This is confirmed by looking at other passages of Scripture like Acts chapter 8 and many others that we could mention. But steadily throughout the New Testament, the confession of Jesus as Lord is part of the heart of Christianity. I fear that many pastors and preachers and maybe even evangelists have underplayed this important truth. Jesus is Lord. If you want to be saved you must be able to confess that. We're not saved by obedience to the Lordship of Christ. We're saved to our obedience of the Lordship of Christ. And Paul even makes it clear here in Romans 1. You believe on Jesus as Lord. You believe and confess Jesus as Lord. And then it leads you to a life of willing submission to the Lord. That. Is the essential dynamic for us related to Lordship? Submission to the supremacy and the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before any of us can truly say our Lord, like we do in the Apostles' Creed, we must first say my Lord in our heart in our mind, in our spirit. Jesus, you are Lord. You are my Lord. I've been praying that God would grant all of us today the grace so that we can each confess him as my Lord and our Lord. Together. I believe the deity of Jesus Christ is seen in his supremacy and preeminence in all things. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. Big idea. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Like the ancient Church, Father Athanasius, I affirm that Jesus, whom I know as Redeemer, cannot be less than God. Do you believe it? I pray that you do. I'd like to leave you with two remarkable quotes, and then we'll pray and be done. I'm going to quote Robert E. Lee. I know it's not politically correct to do that. But I don't care. I'm going to let Robert E. Lee speak for himself. There's a thought. Christ is the Bible's fullness. The Bible's center. The Bible's fascination. It is all about Jesus in the Old Testament. The Old Testament conceals, enfolds, promises, pictures, prophesies, localizes. Symbolizes Christ. The New Testament reveals, unfolds, presents, produces, proclaims, universalizes, and sacrifices Christ. Yes, the Old Testament and the New Testament alike tell us of Jesus, the great fact of history, the great force of history, the great future of history. Of this book. It can truly be said. The glory of God doth lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. The name of Jesus. The supreme personality. The center of a world's desire. Is on every page. In expression. Or symbol. Or prophecy. Or psalm. Or proverb. Take Jesus out of the Bible. It's like taking calcium out of lime. Carbon out of diamonds. Truth Out of history, matter out of physics, mind out of metaphysics, numbers out of mathematics, and cause and effect out of philosophy. Through this book, the name of Jesus, the revealed, the redeeming, the risen, the reigning, the returning Lord runs like a line of glimmering light. The thought of Jesus. The desire of all nations threads this great book like a crystal river, winds its way through a continent. What a remarkable statement of personal belief, affirmation, and confession. In Jesus Christ is the Son of God. One of my favorite writers, Fyodor Dostoevsky, said this, the most pressing question on the problem of faith is whether a man, as a civilized being, can believe in the divinity of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, for therein rests the whole of our faith. That is the point of our message today, isn't it? I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, our Lord. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God. My Lord and my God. I, along with all my brothers and sisters here in the worship center and watching our live stream, want to thank you for your word And together we thank you for this beautiful, short summary statement of essential truths about Jesus Christ that we've meditated upon this day. And it's given us so much more to think on for many, many days, weeks, months, and years to come. By your grace, would you please, please grant to us That the realities contained in your word about your Son that we've read about, the very Son of God, would be realities to us and that we embrace and live out these in Jesus' name. Amen. that you've come to know the Lord Jesus better I hope that you've come to love him better and I trust that you will live with Jesus as the son of God being Lord of your life each of us will do that he will be my Lord and he will be our Lord again John 1 18 this remarkable statement no one has ever seen God the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side he has revealed him And we praise him for that, as we have just sung. Walk with that King Jesus and be a blessing. God bless you.